You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, we love you this morning, and we are going to continue in the book of Exodus. And last week we had our introductory overview, but I just want to just declare that Exodus is the perfect book. It's a new series. It's a new season. And we want to look at our own lives through the lens uh, that we are on a journey. We are God's chosen people. Can I get an amen? And this this morning we're going to trek into Exodus chapter 1 and 2. But before we get there, last week we talked about uh, kind of an overview, a 30,000-foot view. And we said a couple things that are important. And if you have your ESV study journal, uh, I want to encourage you to do a couple things today. Uh, I want to encourage you, number one, to grab a copy if you don't have one, but put your name in it first, okay? So, so we don't have any confusion. You can make it your own. I can, you can see I kind of highlighted the top of mine. I put my name on the outside too, and I put a gateway sticker in there. It's kind of cool. But anyway, but also what, what this is going to do is each time we are here on Sunday mornings or if you're online, we can send you one of these. Just let us know. You're going to follow along the scripture, and then you're going to be able, able to make your own notes as we track through page after page with highlights and keys. And if you weren't here last week, I want you to write down at the beginning or somewhere early on here that Exodus is a story about God, number one. That's what we said last week. It's a story about God. And not only is it a story about God, it's also a story about God's people. Those were the two main characteristics. And at the end of the service last week, we said if God were to audibly share with us what the book of Exodus is all about, he would say, Exodus shows that I am the living God and I care for my people. It was a word for the Lord for us uh, for the year. And we see that rooted in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. And I just want to encourage you. Let's go to the next slide there. Uh, does it have that on there, Exodus 6? If it doesn't, Exodus chapter 6, you can turn there. Uh, uh, it's, I'll tell you what page it is in just a second. I should have had that. It's on page 26. I am the living God, and I care for my people. On page 26, I wrote that. I am the living God, and I care for my people slash God. God is saying this, and that's really the theme of Exodus, and, and you can read those verses. We read them last week, and that's important. But today, we're going to dive into Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2. And if you've been pre-reading, which we want to encourage you to do each week, at the end of each week, we're going to say, hey, this is where we're headed next week. Next week, we're going to head to chapter 3, for example. But uh, we want you to pre-read, study on your own, create a foundation that we can build on, take notes of your own, and then bring that to church, continue to take notes, and we believe that these little things will become a treasure for you. In fact, yesterday, and I, I know I need to get to the message, but yesterday we were doing membership class, and someone was, we were going around, uh, they said, hey, they came when we were preaching through the gospel of Mark, and how much that blessed them, and I believe that Exodus is going to bless you in a similar way. Write your name in it, and then also, we said last week, last thought, and then we're going to get 
um, to this message this morning is uh, ask someone what they know about the story of the Exodus. That's our assignment in these first few weeks. Just in your uh, comings and your goings, as you rub shoulders with people, ask someone about what they know, and then invite them to church and say, hey, let's learn together. All right. So if you've been pre-reading, and hopefully you did, I'm not going to ask you this morning, maybe I will next week, uh, but if you pre-read chapter 1 and chapter 2, you might be questioning my, our first thought that God would say, I am the living God and I care about my people. That Exodus is all about God and about his care for people. You might be saying, Pastor Ben, I don't see that. In fact, you might have asked the question, where is God in Exodus? Because when you read chapters 1 and chapters 2, it sounds more like a country song than a God story. And I, I just want to challenge you that when you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you've pre-read it or if you read it after the fact, you might be able to insert yourself into the story and say, you know what, uh, this looks like a miserable uh, time. In fact, it's a story, what we read in 1 and 2 is a story of people that are troubled. They're full of bitterness, right? They're having hard service. They're under serious oppression. The Egyptians, it's actually quoted that they ruthlessly made God's people to be slaves. They're killing babies, so there's infanticide. And then this so-called redeemer, if you know where the book is going, this so-called deliverer is born, but this redeemer, this mediator, is a murderer in the first two chapters, and now is running for his life. How many think that's not such a great start, right? And you're thinking, where is God? Let's say that together. Where is God? Well, if you slow down and you start to look at the story as a whole, you will see God even in the first two chapters. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Number one is God's promise is being fulfilled. You can write that in your journals. I encourage you to do so. See, when we end Genesis, and uh, the promise is not fulfilled. The story is not over. The promise is not lost. You say, well, what promise are you talking about, Pastor? Well, if you go back to the story of Adam and Eve, you can see that there was a command to be fruitful and, be, and multiply in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. And then you uh, jump forward to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. This is a promise, a covenant of Abraham. Let's look at it. It says this, and I will make you a great nation. This is God talking to Abraham, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. How many know that little phrase there? Uh, so you will be a blessing. We are not created to be great for ourselves. We are to be great for others. And we see it right here in this promise. It says, I will bless those who bless you. And then look what it says. I underlined it in my notes. It says, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And that's the story of Exodus that we will get to eventually. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a spiritual blessing, a spiritual promise. And I believe it's not a physical Physical and spiritual. God's promise is being fulfilled even in these first couple chapters. 
Another clue is in the genealogy. Uh, it, it, there's Genesis and Exodus are linked, and, uh, and there's a distance of 400 years between the two books. But Exodus 1-1 starts with Jacob, right? The very first, uh, very first line. Uh, look at it w- with me. Uh, it says right there, These are the names of the sons of Israel, or Jacob, who came to Egypt with Jacob, each uh, with his household, and then it goes on. And, and so I just remind you from the story of Genesis, the 12 sons, one was sold into slavery, who ended up in Egypt, right? Joseph rose to be the prime minister. There was a famine in the land, and God's favor was on that family, and they made their trek to, or not to Jerusalem, to Egypt. And what's crazy is all these years later, this group of God's people, the Israelites, were a bunch of shepherds, are now in Egypt, and Egypt wants nothing to do with these shepherds. You say, well, where do we see this promise being fulfilled? Well, let's look at it. Exodus chapter 1, verse 7. Remember the promise or the covenant from uh, Genesis uh, chapter 12 was be fruitful and multiply. You're going to increase. And the promise is happening. Exodus 1 verse 7. And, I, and, and again, I don't want to tell you what to do with your ESV journal, but you can put in the, in, the, in the margin there God's promise. Look what it says. It says, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. They were growing. They were expanding. In verse 12, again, you can write in there, the promise. It says, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. And then at the end of chapter 1, verse 20, uh, it says, again, the promise. And this is part of the story where the midwives were being persecuted. It says, so God dealt well with the midwives. They he was taking care of them, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. The point is, in spite of Pharaoh's disregard for humanity, brutally enslaving the Israelites, he's the worst character in the Bible so far. We learned that last week. Not even Pharaoh could prevent God's promises. Come on. And we see his protection with the midwives. We see it with Moses' mother, with Pharaoh's daughter. And yes, the scene of Exodus 1 and 2 is a scene of suffering. But even when things look so terrible, that you must be living outside of God's plan. No, 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 no. God is still working. God's promise is being fulfilled. The second thing we see is that God raises up a deliverer. In chapter 2, a baby. Exodus 2, verse 2. It says, a fine baby. Look at it with me. In Exodus 2, verse 2, it says, the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. In the original language, it has the idea that he was a unique or a special baby. 
When you fast forward to the New Testament in the Hebrews 11, the, the Hall of Faith chapter, uh, Hebrews 11, 23, I don't think it's on the slides. You can write it down. It says in the NLT that, he, that Moses was an unusual child. Uh, it kind of the, it holds the idea, a child of destiny, not ordinary. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, uh, who was, uh, ended up giving his life the first martyr as a Christian, uh, in his uh, discourse, he talks about Moses in Acts chapter 7. And when he talks about Moses, he describes Moses as being fair in the sight of God. In other words, God was watching over Moses. God raises up a deliverer, and while he raises him up, he is providing for Moses. And when I go through this section here, I want you just to imagine God providing for you. See, for Moses, God provided through a basket first, right, in the Nile River. He provides with a nursing mother. And how many know that the formative years for a child are so important uh, those first years, and so the fact that Moses was with his birth mother, being nursed and loved on and trained, and then later he was provided by, uh, by God by being trained in Egyptian ways and literature and philosophy and all the sciences, all knowledge, right, um, and uh, government, war, and battle. And uh, as God is raising up a deliverer, uh, and even... At, what happens, even as Moses, a little later in chapter 2, he's running for his life because he's a murderer now. He's, he's killed an Egyptian soldier. God still provides for Moses. you got to see it because, and this is a big deal, not only for Moses, but it's a big deal for us. He makes his way to Midian. He's running for his life. And, and Midian, in the desert, he, he comes to the aid of seven daughters, the priest of Midian, who is Ruel, who is the father. And Ruel, because he came to the aid of his daughters, says, hey, you can come and stay with us. And so God is providing a place for Moses to stay and eventually provides a wife for Moses. And it was at Midian that Moses would have his first son, Gershom. And all of that happens in chapter 2, in the first two chapters. Let me just pause for a second. <laughs> this is a big deal. God was working. He was providing. He was raising up this deliverer. And I'm curious how many times we would try something and maybe fail like Moses did. Have you ever tried God's work and failed, fall flat, right? Uh, what can we learn from Moses' first attempt to do God's work? What can you learn when you've fallen? You stumbled. You didn't quite make it. You had an idea. You tried something. It didn't work out. Do you just give up? No, you just keep on. But even when you even consider in that lens, you look at the first two chapters, you're saying, Pastor, where is God in this story? This story is bleak. Uh, not, it's not something I would want uh, to be involved in. Moses, the great liberator, the mediator, is a total flop at this point. Uh, and plus, the people of Israel are still being oppressed and under all of this hard suffering. And, uh, and so we got Moses running and not doing well. We got the people of Israel suffering. Where is God? Well, Pastor Bobby actually pointed out to me that we don't see God directly until the end of chapter 2. 
So we get through all of one, most of chapter two, and then we see God. And this is the third point, that God hears the cry of the Israelites. Let's look at it. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. says this, During those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned. Everybody groaned a little. Yeah, because of their slavery. And they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. That goes back to Genesis chapter 12. And then look what verse 25 says. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. And God knew. That's what it says in the ESV study journal. They're enslaved, they're burdened, but God knew. In the NLT, it says, and God knew it was time to act. I love that. And because they have been waiting, and you, you, we talk about waiting, they waited for 400 years, right? And I don't know what your story of waiting looks like and what you've struggled with in your life, but there are seasons of waiting that God's people apparently have to go through, but God is at work in those. My mind went, of course, to last year. Uh, we lost uh, our youth pastor the first week of, of January, essentially. And uh, it wasn't until the end of November, first part of December, that Pastor Sean and Renissa joined us. And we were crying out to God, saying, God, we, we need a solution. And, and uh, there was a lot that happened in the year. And, but God, he saw our cry, and he answered us with Pastor Sean and Renissa. My mind also went back a few years uh, to the conception of our son, Logan. And uh, my son, Logan, here, he's on the first, first uh, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but Logan, we had our first daughter, no problem. When we wanted to have kids, it was like, boom, it happened, and, uh, you know, it just, and it was great. And we had Reagan, we thought, okay, we're going to wait two years and then do it again. And at two years, we started to try to have another baby, and it was like roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And I'm not sure why the Lord brought this story back into, into my mind this week. And maybe it's for someone here or someone that's listening. Or maybe it's for someone that you could share this little clip with. But listen, the truth is, is for our family, it was a lot of hardship a lot of burden. We were with the doctors. We were spending at one point about $1,000 a month. And for us, we were early in ministry. That was a lot of money. And, uh, and we were thinking, what is going on here? And what happened is God heard our cry. I, we had not told anyone. We didn't tell our parents. We didn't tell our, our close friends. It was just Jessica and me. We were wrestling with this and kind of bearing this burden on our own. But I ended up on a missions trip in Jamaica in the Blue Mountains. And one night, there was a gazebo on top of a hill at the City of Refuge. And the group of us, we were gathered, and it was a prayer time. Kind of like the prayer times we are going to have on Wednesday night. And I, and I just felt, and I didn't get permission from my wife to, to, uh, to mention, but I was, just went for it. I said, you know what, Jessica and I, it had been about a year and a half, almost two years, that we had been struggling with infertility. And I, said, I just kind of laid it out. I said, you know what? We've been praying 
and uh, it seems like you know, we're waiting, we're, it's just a tough time. And we prayed that night, and the Lord kind of put it in my heart that when I came back, I said, all right, no more infertility. Uh, we, we stopped that next month. And the following month, we got pregnant with Logan. And we're so grateful for that. Yeah. And so God, yeah. And so God heard our cry, right? And, the, and you say, where is God in the story? Well, sometimes there's the waiting, and we see that here. Next week, we're going to hear the cry of another family's heart from the Carafels and, and another story similar. And, and I just wanted to, to bring up that at Christmas time, we talked about the awe and the wonder uh, of God in, in, in that series. And at our Christmas service, we said, where do you need? need the awe and the wonder of the Lord in your life. And we got answers, a hundred or more answers here. And we've been praying over these. And there are things in your life, I get it, that you're believing God for. And maybe you're in this waiting period. And I just want you to see the story of Exodus in the first two chapters in particular, that God, he's still God. And he's still caring for you. And as I read through these, we read through these again and prayed through these as a staff. And the point, church, is to cry out to Jesus. Cry out to him. Stay faithful even when God seems silent and when God is not mentioned or it doesn't seem to be mentioned in your life. Cry out to Jesus. I want to wrap things up this morning and create some space in the altar. Another thing I noticed as I've been studying the book of Exodus is that there are some similarities in the transition between Genesis and Exodus and the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's interesting because we... When you look at, there's some similarities. They both start with a genealogy. Exodus chapter 1, the first five verses are genealogy. The first 16 verses in Matthew are genealogy. It's in both cases, the people of God are far from the promised land. So, of course, in Exodus, we know what's happening there. But in the New Testament, they've been waiting for a Messiah. Both are under oppression from a foreign power, uh, the Egyptians and then the Romans in the New Testament. Uh, there were 400 years in both, between both, in both cases. And the point, you say, well, why is this important? important is God made good on his promises. That's the point. There's another similarity here. When we look at uh, the, the case of Genesis to, to Exodus, Old Testament to New Testament, uh, that we see Moses as a type of Christ. And you say, what does that mean? Well, there are different types of Christ throughout the Old Testament, like Adam and David and Jonah. But in Moses' case, uh, both came as a baby, right? Uh, Both would be a deliverer. There was kind of this prophetic idea. They both started with humble beginnings. Both a king wanted to kill them. And God provided for both by way of escape involving Egypt. Uh, Jesus, uh, his family spent some time in Egypt early on. And of course, uh, the story of Exodus is there. And the, the reason I say that is that Jesus can be seen in the book of Exodus. 
And last week we said that if God were to speak, uh, that he would say, I am the living God and I care for my people. Well, when we look through the lens that Jesus is seen in the Exodus, we could say, Jesus would say today, I am the living God and I care for my people. And there's no distinction between God and Jesus and Holy Spirit, but for our point, and I would ask the worship team to come, we see Jesus throughout the book of Exodus, and we're going to see that continually. See, God's plan for salvation for you and for your friends, it looks like Exodus. (laughs) It's God coming after his people, bringing them to him. Through it all, God's plan is still working, even in the worst circumstances. And our prayer, and I've got this written out, I want to read this, is that the Holy Spirit would allow our eyes to be open to see that the God who works all things, even the worst things, together for good, It's that same God who's at work in our lives right here, right now. Jesus works out his promises. We can see Jesus as the promise fulfiller. Jesus is God, right, who is living and he cares deeply for us. And if there's truth in that, which I believe there is, I would die for that truth, then we need to throw our lives at his feet. And kind of in the same way where we filled out these cards a few weeks back in December, saying, okay, this is where we need to see the awe and the wonder of God. This morning, some of these requests or these prayer needs have been answered, which is incredible. God is working. We're going to hear a testimony again next week from uh, the Carafel family, how God is working. You're not going to want to miss that. But but this morning, some of these requests, I'm sure, have not been fulfilled. Or maybe there's a new request that has kind of emerged in the last few weeks or a few days. The point is, the need is great, but our God is greater. He is able to minister to you right where you are. In church, your greatest need is your need to be forgiven. And we want to give an opportunity this morning to receive Christ to for, to, for forgiveness of sins. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've had a relationship at one point and you feel like you're far away from God, today is the day of salvation. Let me just declare it. Today is your day of salvation. If you're online and you're with us and you're saying, man, I need to accept Jesus, you can just put in the, the chat, I need Jesus, or I need salvation, and we will follow up and get you resources and make sure that you are equipped. But for those that are here in the room, I'm just going to ask us to close our eyes here for a moment. And if you're here and you need Jesus as your personal Savior to come into your life to save you, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are, and uh, I want to pray with you. Yes. Uh, I see one hand here. Anyone else? Yep. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anyone else saying, yes, that is me today. I need that relationship. 
again online. We care about you. We want to connect with you. Just let us know. We will follow up. But for the sake of the one here, could we as a congregation just repeat a uh, simple prayer um, after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. And today, I choose you. I choose to put my faith in you. I believe that you died on the cross. And you came into, and now you're coming into my life. I believe in you. Take away my sin and make me clean. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says, when even one gives their heart to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice. And so this morning, we rejoice and we are grateful. And we'll follow up uh, with, with you, ma'am, and we want to encourage you in that. Uh, the last thing we want to uh, say, it should be the last slide before the song we're going to sing, is next week we're going to be in chapter 3. And, uh, and so that's your assignment this week, to pre-read Exodus chapter 3. It's a good one. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, it's the burning bush uh, account with Moses, and it'll be awesome. But I believe that God wants to move this morning, and we've created some space for God to do that. If you are here this morning, in fact, let's all just stand right where we are as we prepare. If you're here this morning, and you have a need, that you want to bring to the feet of Jesus, similar to the way we said, hey, we have all these needs uh, at Christmas time. Uh, we're needy people. I get it. And if everybody comes, that's okay. Uh, uh, we, but you're saying, Pastor, I've got a need in my life that I would like God to move supernaturally in. Would you just lay, raise your hand right where you are? Yeah. Yeah, come on. Yes. All across this place. Are there things in your life you say, God, I need you to move? If your hand went up, even if it went up only for a second, and then went right back down, <laughs> what I want us to do, I want us to just come to the altar, and we're going to sing this final song that is just an anthem uh, about God, that he never leaves us. He's always with us. And, uh, and that's the story of Exodus this morning. Let's just respond. Let's move this morning together. Lord, we thank you. You're working working, God. Lord, we thank you, God. Come on, right where you are, just move. I saw your hand. I want you to hear. Come on, let's come to the altar together. Thank you, Jesus. At the end of Exodus chapter 2, it says, during those days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. He knew. God's timing's perfect. He knew what time it was to act. And Jesus, the same God that was with them there, is saying this morning, I am the living God, and I care for you. 
There's nothing too difficult. There's nothing too difficult. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, God. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly. In, in the scriptures it says in the last days that God will pour out his spirit on all and I believe that word from Havily is a word for someone here, maybe a word uh, for multiple people here. And I want to encourage you, if what Havily said this morning spoke to you, I want you uh, to reaffirm that in her this morning and let her know that God was working through her, and I believe that uh, he was. So thank you so much, Havily, for that. Um, and just in the same way that God pours out his spirit on all people, it says that in the same way, the Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness through wordless groans. And it's one of these places in Scripture where this word groan, it's the same word that is used in the Greek Old Testament when it talks about the people crying out to God, that in this same way, the Spirit is groaning. In the same way in Romans 8, it says creation is even groaning, waiting for this time when God will make all things new waiting for this time where heaven will meet earth. And in this time, we're in this place, we call it the now and not yet, that God has reconciled all things, yet somehow all things aren't reconciled. And so we are waiting with wordless groans, crying out to God. And I want to encourage you, if you're in this place where you are groaning, if you're filled with the Spirit, use that time. Use your prayer language to really cry out to Him, to seek Him in those moments. Because it says that the Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness, in that time when we're hurt and we're broken. And I think the Spirit uh, was working even in that same way through Havilah this morning. But let's just pray uh, this morning. Jesus, we just thank you that we are forgiven, that we are made new, that we are made whole, God. And we are existing in this time between the now and the not yet where we are made whole, but Jesus, we haven't uh, met eternity yet. And we are sitting here as people who are holding this treasure in jars of clay. So Jesus, we cry out, we, 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 we call out to you knowing that as we call out, as we cry out to you, that you will hear our prayers, you will remember us. And just like in the Exodus, you will know when it is time to act, when it is time to move, when it is time to speak, when it is time to meet. That's where we're at. And we just thank you, God. Let these testimonies uh, about Pastor Ben and Jessica and Logan, let these testimonies uh, that we'll hear next week be a reminder that just as you moved in their lives, just like you moved in this church, that you will meet our individual needs as well, Lord. But in the midst of it, we will continue to call out. We will continue to cry out. We will continue to seek your face, Lord. But even whenever it's not even mentioned in Scripture that you're there, we will be faithful. Just like the people were faithful to multiply, just like the midwives were faithful, God, in following you, just like Moses' mother was faithful in following you, we will continue to be faithful. We will continue to cry out because we know that you are here, that you are with us, that you are fighting for us. So in the middle of it, we will continue to be faithful to you. And we will continue to cry out to you. And we know that as we go, 
And as we leave this place, that we will be these people that are carrying the message of the gospel, riches in these worthless jars of clay, that though I am fragile, though I am finite, God, you have carried eternal riches in me, that you have given me your spirit, that you have called me to be salt and light. So I pray that I will go and leave this place as your image bearer to a lost, hurting, and broken world. Jesus, we give you everything, and we pray that you would go with us, that you would be before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. You can go in the grace of God today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.